Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Relentless Dairy on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. Um, so a whole week of craziness and even more insanity. <laughs> I think this is a par for the course since 2020. So, oh dear Lord. Of all the craziness that I'd already planned on talking about, I saw something today that absolutely blew my mind. So, with everyone knows, Colin Kaepernick is the absolute worst thing to ever happen to the NFL since he got out of the NFL. Well, it, it news broke that earlier this week that Tim Tebow is making his triumphant return to the world of professional football. He has signed a one-year, $920,000 contract with no with no bonuses, no guarantees added to it. Just for one year, here is the, the absolute bare minimum that we can pay you as a veteran football player and ESPN's lovely, lovely human being, Stephen A. Smith, who occasionally says things that make sense, lost his mind, came out and said that the only reason Tim Tebow got a one-year $900,000 contract is because white privilege. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, white privilege is the only reason why Tim Tebow was offered less than $1 million to play one year. And even then, there's still no guarantee that he will make the team. And the reason why he was brought back to into the game to Jacksonville of all crappy places is because his former college coach, Urban Meyer, is now the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, cool, whatever. But we have to stop and look at a few things. Colin... Colin Crappernick has spent every waking day since his last season in the NFL bitching and moaning, pissing and carrying on about how awful he has been treated by the NFL. Forget the fact that they paid him like $20 million to shut up and go away. Forget the fact that Nike paid him $40 million to be the face of Nike. Forget the fact that the NFL offered him a workout so scouts could go watch him. And all 32 teams said, all right, we're going to send scouts to watch you. And then at the last minute, he moves He moves his workout from where the NFL set it up. Oh, no, no, I'm going to do it over here, over an hour away. 
And only a handful of teams said, okay, you know what? But we'll make the hour drive across Atlanta to go do this, to go watch his workout, which apparently he was so impressive. Only a couple of those teams made an offer that he still refused. The, the arena football league said, Hey, we will allow you to play in our football league. We, we think you'll bring a good dimension to the game. He wanted $20 million from the Arena Football League, which is like half of the entire budget of the Arena Football League. Now, so there's Tim Tebow, or excuse me, there's Colin Kaepernick going out of his way to demonstrate for the last, what, seven years that he doesn't actually want to play football. He wants people talking about him like I'm doing now. But he doesn't actually want to play. He wants to be on people's minds, but he doesn't want to actually do something for all these millions of dollars he's already getting paid. Meanwhile, let's look at Tim Tebow. Mr. He's only getting a job because of white privilege. Tim Tebow, since his last season in the NFL in 2012, has not raised a stink about being blacklisted from the NFL because I'm a Christian and they didn't like me kneeling. Even when he was still playing and honestly, he wasn't a great quarterback. Yes, he won a Heisman. He won two Heisman trophies. But he was very inconsistent. When he was on, he was on. I mean, I've watched, I am not a Broncos fan, but I thought he did an amazing job in some of those games that he played. But like I said, he was inconsistent. Which is why he never became a starter. He was a backup. He never became a starter. Yes, as a backup, he led the Broncos into the playoffs. But he just couldn't stay on. And so they cut him. Which is cool. But, but here's, here's where the real difference was. Tim Tebow wanted to still be involved with football. So he became a commentator. He was a commentator for college football. He was a commentator for uh, some of the smaller market NFL games. He was involved in the sport. He still wanted to be an athlete. So what did he do? He became a minor league baseball player in the New York Mets organization. He was quiet. He just kept working. And then when Urban Meyer got the coaching job at Jacksonville, he offered Tim Tebow, like, hey, we have an open tight end spot. I know you're not a tight end, but I am willing to give it to you if you're willing to, you know, you're willing to play. Yeah, 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 but we can only because we are had such a crappy season. We can only offer you the bare minimum and for one year only. I'm sorry, that is not white privilege. That is a dude who didn't make a stink, who wasn't going out there trying to find controversies or make controversies happen. He just wanted to do his damn job. And if he got the opportunity, he was going to take it. Meanwhile, Colin Kaepernick, he does like uh, former Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon said about the Palestinians, he never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. He has had offers 
from teams like Seattle. Denver has offered him a spot. And there's there's a couple other teams that have offered him a spot as a backup quarterback. Because, frankly, that's really all he's good for is a backup. I mean, he rose to prominence it with the San Francisco 49ers as a third-string quarterback. He got the job because the starter and the first backup got hurt. <laughs> Pretty Princess Steve in the chat room says, Isn't Krapernick half-white? Doesn't he at least get partial white privilege? <clears throat> Pardon me. Well, you see... He just cashed in on his adopted white parents' privilege. They used their privilege to get him into a nice college. They used their privilege to get him onto football teams and involved with athletics. It was their privilege that he wrote on. Writing on other people's white privilege is perfectly fine. It's like writing on the coattails of somebody else. That's all it boils down to. And the fact that Stephen A. Smith can unironically compare somebody who has been quiet and just continuing to work while taking a crap load less money than someone who continues to raise a stink, someone who continues to suck at his job, someone who continues to make millions and millions of dollars to not do a damn thing. I'm sorry, the guy working his ass off and having way less to show for it? He he got the job because of white privilege? This guy hasn't done anything worthwhile in five years. Since he chose not to extend his contract. Keep in mind, the 49ers didn't fire him. They didn't cut him. They didn't. They didn't say, pack your bags, get the hell out of our locker room, never come back. They said, hey, here's an extension on your contract. And he chose not to sign it. He does nothing. It makes millions of dollars. I'm sorry, who's privileged? Who has the privilege, the guy who does nothing and makes millions, or the person who keeps his nose to the grindstone and counts himself as lucky to get a less than $1 million contract for a different position than he is known for playing, just for a shot? I'm sorry, Stephen A. Smith. You may be all that in a bag of chips when it comes to uh, a lot of sports commentary. But you are out of your freaking mind when it comes to saying this guy who has worked his ass off with not much to show for it has white privilege versus the guy who as I said, never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity and gets millions and millions of dollars and is considered a leader in his community. Shut up. All right, now that I got that off my chest... Ladies and gentlemen, speaking of never missing an opportunity, the Bidens, they never miss an opportunity to grift, to graft, just outright con people out of anything. Uh, This is a story that broke earlier this week. Uh, This is from uh, the Daily Mail. Leave it to England to have better reporting on what's going on with the Bidens than anyone in the United States whose name isn't uh, John Solomon. This uh, headline, exclusive, former FBI director Louis Free gave $100,000 to a private trust for Joe Biden's grandchildren and spoke with the vice president in 2016, quote, 
to explore lucrative future work options. End quote. With Hunter as the middleman. Yes, that's right. The former FBI director, Louis Free, the one who helped lead the charge to let everybody think an innocent man was responsible for the Atlanta Olympics bombing. Yeah, yeah, I'm going back. I'm going back a few years on that one because it's true. They learned that they learned that an innocent man was, oh, he was once convicted of impersonating a police officer. A man who was once convicted of impersonating a police officer, he just wants to be famous. So he planned a bomb. And he pretended to be a hero, even though two people died. They let this poor man squirm on a hook. Meanwhile, you know, Eric Rudolph is going around serial bombing his way through the South. Yeah, Louis Free is, um, I believe the phrase is hot garbage. He was also instrumental in the investigation of as the as the independent investigator in the Penn State sex abuse scandal that really wasn't. Which if you're not listening to John Ziegler's with the benefit of hindsight podcast, I would check it out. Nine episodes in and there's a lo- there's a lot of uh, unanswered questions that I've had for ten years that are really getting answered. It's great listening. I'll warn you though. It's it's in depth. The, the most recent episode is part one of a two part episode. It's four hours long. You gotta have some time to listen to it. But anyways, back to Louis Free. Uh, this is the the highlights here. Uh, DailyMail.com can can reveal former FBI Director Louis Free gave one hundred thousand dollars to a private trust for Joe Biden's grandchildren. And I'm pretty sure none of that will go to Stripper Baby because, you know, they don't want to claim Stripper Baby, even though DNA quite clearly says that's Joe's grand grandkid. Free spoke with then-Vice President in 2016 to explore with him some future work options. Emails from Hunter's laptop reveal. Oh, yay, more stuff from Hunter's laptop. Wonderful. The bombshell communications from July 2016 raised the question, was Joe Biden discussing future private business deals while still in office? In an email marked confidential and privileged, Free wrote to Hunter that he would be delighted to do future work with you. Emails show that at the time, Free was working for three men who were later found to be corrupt foreign criminals. Oh, isn't that awesome? Free was not involved in their corruption offenses or implicated in the charges. Free, who served as FBI director under Bill Clinton and George Bush, ran a consultancy firm with highly controversial clients. His clients include the now-jailed Malaysian prime minister who stole billions of dollars from his country and a Romanian real estate tycoon convicted of bribery. Uh, The email suggests Free was trying to establish a future business relationship with Biden, and the White House has failed to disclose DailyMail.com whether Joe Biden discussed private business with Free while in office. According to the messages obtained by DailyMail.com from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop, the former FBI director was working for three foreign businessmen and officials at the time who were all later convicted of various corruption charges, including a multi-billion dollar ransacking of a Malaysian wealth fund. Free himself was not implicated. The 71-year-old, who served as FBI Director under Bill Clinton George Bush, ran a consultancy firm behind uh, a French Israeli diamond magnate, later convicted of bribery, and oh, $145 million worth of property graft. Free, a former judge, emailed Joe's son Hunter 
in 2016, revealing he had spoken with the vice president and proposed they work together on private ventures once Biden left office. Uh, in July of that year, in an email marked confidential privilege, Free wrote Hunter that he would be delighted to do future work with you. I also spoke to dad a few weeks ago and would like to explore with him some future work options, Free said. I believe that working together on these and other legal matters would be of value, fun, and rewarding. Free brought up the idea again a month later and mentioned that he was working with then Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak, who was in the midst of a scandal, blah, 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 blah. I would like to talk to you and Dad about working together next year. No doubt both he and you have many options, and probably some of which are more attractive than my small shop. As you know, we both we have both a law firm and a solutions investigations group with a very good brand, D.C. and Delaware and New York City offices, and profitable and interesting global practice. So if it is something which interests you both, let's talk about it at some point. I'm very flexible, and we could set it up as an equity share or whatever works best. It would certainly be an honor to work with you both. The emails obtained by Daily Mail from Hunter Biden's banned laptop show that around the same time Free was making overtures to the Bidens for business deals, he also gave $100,000 to a trust for Joe Biden's grandchildren. The donation was made to a trust for the children of, of Hallie Biden, the widow of Joe's late son, Bo, who later became Hunter's lover. Yeah, the email shows the gift was not made to a registered charity, but instead to a private trust. As you know, our family foundation made a $100,000 contribution to Hallie's children last, trust, or Hallie's children's trust last year. My accountants, PwC, now advise that since the grant did not go to a 501c organization, it was not a proper foundation gift. So we've been in touch with the IRS and PwC and want to correct the situation as follows. I'll make a new $100,000 gift to, Halle, to Halley's Trust, and Halley's Trust will reimburse the foundation by paying it $100,000. It... Wait, you're, you're, you're telling me that you used to direct the FBI, but you're not smart enough to figure out how to uh, not commit what obviously looks like a bribe for favors from a sitting vice president and his family. I mean... This is absolute insanity. And honestly, the fact that uh, the Bidens are wrapped up in it really doesn't surprise me that much. It's, I, I think it's more surprising that, like I said, this guy <laughs> was the head of the FBI under two presidents. He, you know, he transitioned between Clinton and, and GW. So... And it's pretty blatant, though. If you're e when you're emailing uh, Hunter Biden, you keep referring to, "Oh, let's talk to you and Dad." Well, wait. Uh, who's Dad? Oh my gosh. It's just nuts. And then on top of it, another wonderful story of grift and graft and all sorts of corruption. And this is uh, from ProPublica. Hundreds of PPP loans went to fake farms in absurd places. Because what happens when you put all kinds of government money on the table in the name of interest-free loans? You're going to have you're going to have people come and get the loans who don't need it. We saw this when you know Harvard got a crap ton of money because. Uh, we're a small business because we employ less than however many employees. You also have like a $40 billion endowment. How can you not afford to pay your employees that you have to go get a loan from the government to cover it? 
An online lending platform called Cabbage sent 378 pandemic loans worth $7 million to fake companies, mostly farms, with names like Dealey Nuts and Beefy King. Uh, the shoreline commu communities of Ocean County, New Jersey, are a summertime gateway for throngs of urbanites lined with vacation homes and ice cream parlors. Not exactly pastoral, which is odd, considering dozens of paycheck protection program loans to supposed farms that flowed into beach towns last year. As the first round of the federal government's relief program for small businesses wound down last summer, Ritter Wheat Club and Dealey Nuts, ostensibly a wheat farm and tree nut farm, each got $20,833, the maximum amount available for sole proprietorships. Tomato Cramber, up the coast in Brielle, got $12,739, while Seaweed Blyman in Manahawkin got $19,000. None of these entities exist in New Jersey's business records, and the owners of the homes at which they are purportedly located expressed surprise when contacted by ProPublica. One entity, categorized as a cattle ranch, Beefy King, was registered in PPP records as the home address of Joe Mancini, the mayor of Long Beach Township. There's no farming here. We're a sandbar, for Christ's sake, said Mancini, reached by telephone. Mancini said that he had no cows at his home, just three dogs. All of these loans to non-existent businesses came through Cabbage, an online lending platform that processed nearly 300,000 PPP loans before the first round of funds ran out in August of 2020, second only to Bank of America. In total, ProPublica found 378 small loans totaling $7 million to fake business entities, all of which were structured as single-person operations and received close to the largest loan for which such micro-businesses were eligible. The overwhelming majority of them are categorized as farm, even the unlikeliest of locales from potato fields in Palm Beach to orange groves in Minnesota. The cabbage platform is only a slice of the sprawling fraud problem that has suffused the Paycheck Protection Program from its creation in March 2020 as an attempt to keep small businesses on life support. This is something that a lot of people pointed out early on. Uh, dude, bruh, you know, if you make this money real easy for people to get, there's going to be all sorts of fraud involved, right? But apparently no one cared that people entitled or entitled, ha, the people entrusted. And I use that word very very loosely because they they use the definition of trust very 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 loosely people that we entrust to properly properly dispense of our tax dollars regularly do dumb crap like Give government funding to stupid studies. Really? Did that college really need $500,000 in federal grants to study the mating habits of screwworms? Really? Did they need $200,000 to figure out why lemmings run off of cliffs? <laughs> Pretty Princess Steve, he gives, this is the uh, government's definition of entrusted. Given to without a second thought nor supervision because they don't care. Exactly. And so now, now you have people who are getting loans, which I'm sure with, you know, phony bank accounts that immediately dispersed all the money out a hundred different ways which then dispersed the money a hundred different ways again until it was reconsolidated back into uh, another mysterious bank account they don't know about. 
Meanwhile, it leaves people who who weren't committing fraud looking like they were committing fraud. Like I said, the apparent owner of the Beefy King Ranch has three dogs and is obviously not running a cattle ranch from his Long Island home. Again, these are people who don't care because the government, well, the paperwork was done right, so um, not our fault. It's complete stupid. And the fact that it's allowed to happen over and over and over again with no real oversight, it goes back to the quest to the age-old question, who oversees the overseers? Who watches the watchmen? Because currently we don't have anyone doing either. You know, we have spy agencies spying on their own citizens because oh, well, the, the elected representative said we could do it, and, it, and the courts don't really care, just as long as it doesn't make them look bad. It's like, and? It's like, it's like a stupid... It's like a stupid Twitter conversation that I got involved in where someone was trying to make the argument that rights have gray areas. No, 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 no. The minute you say rights have gray areas, that's the minute you can start working within those gray areas to find ways to diminish rights. When people around the world over many, many different continents, many different countries decided that, you know what? Not everyone has the right to life or the right to liberty or the pursuit of their own happiness. These are gray areas that we can move in. That's when they started determining, that's when they started determining, you know, this group of people, they're, they, they're less than people. So let's round them up. Who cares that they suffer? They're, they're, not, they're not really human. And in the United States, we, we have our own bad track record. If I were to say that it didn't happen here, I'd be lying. It's happened as recently as the 1940s during World War II when those damn Japanese people they're just, they're less than American. They're less than white people. They're st- even though they've lived here for five gener- for three or four generations, they're, they're still going to be loyal to their emperor. So we need to lock them up. You had people within government. Oh, those, those Native Americans, they're, they're, they're less than. You know, they, they still they still think they're their own sovereign nation, so we'll make treaties and push them onto you know, push them onto craptastic land in the middle of nowhere, and we'll take all the good stuff for ourselves. We've seen it seen it in Rwanda, we've seen it in Europe, we've seen it in China, Cambodia, Vietnam, everywhere has seen this. But people are gonna say that. You know, rights exist in gray areas? No. Rights existing in gray areas is like when the government has, you know, constitutional mandates. And, well, you know, that mandate's just kind of a gray area. Who cares? I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com shop, and there you can get hats, you can get 
t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring Podcast. And as always, stay relentless. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. All right, so so we we we've looked at Stephen A. Smith being well, Stephen A. Smith, the Bidens being involved in more corruption, and speaking of corruption, yeah, a bunch of tax taxpayer dollars were taken in loans that will never be paid back because they'll never track down who actually took the loans. So. Let, let, let's get away out of national embarrassments. And let's get something more regional. So let's say New York. So remember a couple months back when, you know, Andrew Cuomo, God bless his heart. He, he, he was all caught up this whole, you know, killing grandma scandal. And then all of a sudden when that wasn't hurting him, well, he's sexually harassing people. And that one really didn't stick either, but yeah, you have to have good advisors when you're going through these kind of scandals, such as when you're killing 20,000 grandmas and you're, you're trying to get a book deal passed, but you got to lie about the numbers because the book says you're awesome and you did an amazing job. And then, like I said, well, how do you handle how do you handle sexual assault, sexual harassment cases, and all these allegations against you? Well, like you said, you have to have good advisors. Uh, and this is uh, from the Post Millennial. Breaking: CNN's Chris Cuomo took part in strategy calls advising his brother over sexual misconduct scandals. <sighs> Scandalous. Uh, New York Governor Andrew Andrew Cuomo was reportedly advised by his brother, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, on how to respond to the growing number of sexual harassment allegations that began appearing earlier this year. Four people familiar with the discussions told the Washington Post. I mean, who better to advise on sexual misconduct scandals than a guy who, you know, walked out bare-ass naked while his wife was doing a YouTube uh, yoga instruction video. You let the, you know, who who better to advise than someone who let the whole world see his bare butt and other parts that are completely unmenstrual and, oh my God, just the thought of, Oh, pardon me. Uh, The younger Cuomo brother reportedly joined Governor Cuomo's top aide, his communications team, lawyers, and a number of outside advisors in a series of conference calls made earlier this year to discuss claims from women that Governor Cuomo had inappropriately touched or made comments to women without permission. The people who spoke on conditions of anonymity, so... I'm, I'm going to hold the same standard that I held with all these anonymous sources who spoke out against the Trump administration on X, Y, and Z part, uh, things because they're anonymous sources. So I want to take it seriously, but with a grain of salt. Because, come on, are you really that scared of Andy? Are you really that scared of the world's stupidest gangster? I mean, the dude, the dude's secretary of health 
issued an order that led to the deaths of thousands of senior citizens. And he didn't think people would figure it out. You're worried about that guy. People who spoke on conditions of anonymity said that Cuomo had advised his brother not to resign. Oh, what a shock. Two of those people present on one call said that Cuomo had used the term cancel culture as a... Hold on. There's some weird writing going on this. Uh, I'm trying to figure out as I go. As a res... Reason... Yeah, as a reason to hold firm in the face of the allegations, the Washington Post writes. Sorry, there's like spaces in the middle of reason. It kind of threw me off. One professor at the Columbia Journalism School and a New Yorker staff writer, Nicholas Lehman, pointed out the conflict of interest, saying that, quote, if you're actively advising a politician in trouble while being an on-air host on a news network, that's not okay, end quote. CNN released a statement acknowledging Chris Cuomo's involvement in the calls, adding that his involvement was inappropriate and a mistake. Quote, uh, Chris has not been involved in CNN's extensive coverage of the allegations against Governor Cuomo on air or behind the scenes, said the statement, in part because he has said on his show he could never be objective but also because he often serves as a sounding board for his brother. No kidding. There's a reason why prior to, you know, the, all the COVID thing, Chris and Andy weren't allowed to be a thing on CNN. However, it was inappropriate to engage in conversations that include members of the governor's staff, which Chris acknowledges. He will not participate in such conversations going forward. <laughs> if they believe that. Um, no, you look like an idiot. Yeah. You think that's really going to stop Chris from advising his brother? You know, uh, we we were having dinner at mom's the other day, and he asked a question, and it, it would, I was obligated as his brother do, do I have to respond? Uh-huh. Sure. CNN will reportedly not be disciplining Cuomo for the revelations. I am shocked. Shocked, I say. Governor Cuomo aides insists that his brother was merely part of an informal support effort. There were a few phone conversations with friends and advisors giving the governor advice, said spokesman for the governor, rich as a party. Those familiar with the governor's office strategy calls, which Chris Cuomo took part in, said that while he regularly took part, he did not lead the conversation. He mainly gave political advice rather than addressing the woman's accounts. And I I really, really, really doubt any of that is particularly true. I mean, again, the idea that that Chris Cuomo, a respected journalist, is allowed to be privy to these conversations? It's completely asinine to pass it off as, oh, well, you know, uh, know, he he wasn't doing anything wrong per se. We know it's unethical, but, you know, you you, got to give him some grace here. No. I'm sorry if Jeb Bush was calling the White House while George was in the middle of a huge scandal. I and and Jeb was a huge you know, contributor or and more importantly an anchor at say Fox News. 
the left would be melting, would have been melting down. They would have been apoplectic. But we're just supposed to sit back and look at Chris and go, oh, well, you know, he's just doing his brotherly duty. And we're supposed to buy it hook, line, and sinker that he didn't do anything wrong? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chrissy. You you don't get that kind of don't get that kind of leeway on this one. You knew what you were doing was wrong. You should have been recusing yourself from these conversations. Or at least been having them in private. Yeah, I won't begrudge him, you know, calling his brother and going, okay, dude, what's going on? But when you're when it sounds like you're strategizing how to handle things with the governor's office, you know, chief of staff, communications director, you know, people who are going to have to help advise big brother Andy on how to uh how to address these things. I, if you are a uh, an anchor for any news network, I mean, it's pretty obvious what your role is. And if you think that the American people are that, well, I was going to say, if you think the American people are that stupid to buy your lives completely, um, yeah, he, he's probably right on that one. Most Americans probably are going to look at it and go, oh, well, you know, Chris, he's he just helping him out. You know, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure about that. All right, I want one last story. Bringing it back home here to the wonderful, wonderful Ozarks. This article, courtesy of The Blaze, headline, Judge sides with Biden, rules that Christian college must open women's bedrooms and showers to biological males. Yes, now we're getting back into the uh, world of tranny madness. I don't know how many of them are going to college to the Ozarks, but apparently it's a thing. A federal judge this week rejected a Christian college's request to bypass new rules under the Biden administration that forced religious schools to open their dormitories, including shared bedrooms and shower spaces, to members of the opposite sex. Judge Roseanne Ketchmark, which I looked into her when I read the story. She's a Republican. But, you know, she is so Republican, she was appointed to the bench by Barack Obama. <laughs> Apparently freedom of religion isn't a thing anymore, says Princess Steve. Yeah. Even though, you know, there was a Supreme Court ruling saying that, yeah, uh, you can't force religious organizations to pay for birth control methods that go against the religious beliefs of that institution. I would love to see that precedent used in a new case going, no, no, no. If it applies to birth control and religious institutions, why can you not force this disagreement with our Constitution against us? And Judge Roseanne Ketchmark issued the ruling Wednesday denying College of the Ozarks a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction which would have provided temporary protection for the school while its federal court case is pending. The school filed a lawsuit in April arguing that the Biden administration was forcing religious schools to violate their beliefs by opening up female dormitories to biological males and vice versa under subject of punitive damages, six-figure fines, and attorney's fees. After President Joe Biden issuing an executive order titled Preventing the combating, preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation. In January, the Department of Housing and Urban Development put forward a directive in line with the administration's new interpretation of sex. 
The directive holds that entities covered by the Fair Housing Act cannot discriminate against someone based on their sexual orientation or gender identity, meaning that transgender person who is biologically male but identifies as female must be permitted to share dormitory spaces such as bedrooms, bathrooms, and showers with female students. Quote, the government cannot and should not force schools to open girls' dorms to males based on its politically motivated and inappropriate redefinition of sex, Alliance Defending Freedom Senior Counsel Julie Marie Blake said in a statement. The religious liberty law firm is representing the school in its legal fight. Women shouldn't be forced to share private spaces, including showers and dorm rooms, with males and religious schools shouldn't be punished simply because of their beliefs about marriage and biological sex. Government overreach by the Biden administration continues to victimize women, girls, and people of faith by getting their legal protections, and it must be stopped. The College of the Ozarks is a private Christian liberal arts college in Point Lookout, Missouri, that since its founding more than a century ago has held to believe that biological sex is assigned by God and is unchangeable. In response to the ruling, the school's president, Jerry Davis, acknowledged that he and the staff were disappointed in the ruling, but announced they would be appealing, quote, so that schools are not forced to open women's dorm rooms to males and violate their religious beliefs. For more than 100 years, College of the Ozarks has provided a distinctly Christian education to students with financial need. We will not abandon our mission. The fight to protect our religious freedom has just begun, end quote. I, I am glad to hear that this school president is not just rolling over and, oh, well, they, they said we have to, so uh, I guess we're going to. Which really seems to be one of the big things. A judge says, oh, no, you can't do that. And so many people just go, oh, well, the judge said I can't, so I guess I won't. This is the kind of this is the kind of fight that we need in America. That no, I don't care what the judge said, it's wrong. I don't care if the judge said I can go suck start a machine gun, it's wrong. I'm not going to do it. This is where America needs to be when it comes to dealing with a government that's getting more and more oppressive. And unfortunately, the whole COVID situation has given lots of people in government the idea that they can just push push you around and that we're not going to do anything because so many Americans, oh, well, you know, I'll just wear the mask. I've got to go along to get along. I don't, I don't think the mask does anything, but I don't want to get yelled at. I mean, we're freaking America. We once had a rebellion over taxing whiskey. Where the hell is the fighting spirit that said, hey, you know what? King James or King George III can suck a big fat one. We don't care what he has to say. Brits, get the hell off our continent. And then a few years later, they came back. We threw their asses out again. Where is the America that went to war with an oppressive asshole who is trying to kill off an entire race of people? Where's the America that went fighting hand over fist, bloody battle to bloody battle from island to island in the Pacific to beat back a vicious imperialist Japan. Where's that America? Where are those Americans who are willing to sacrifice to protect what is ours? Everyone looks at the preamble to the Constitution. Everyone looks at the Declaration of Independence. They see a few things in there. The preamble of the Constitution, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union. 
Our founders in 1792, when they wrote the Constitution, after the Articles of Confederation went, oh, so well, they knew we weren't perfect. They knew the government they were forming wasn't perfect, but it was more perfect. People look at the Declaration of Independence. All men are created equal. And they were endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They look at those and goes, those are the unalienable rights. Yeah, these are over here, these, uh, this whole Bill of Rights thing, all these amendments beyond them that spells out what rights we have as Americans. They view all that as being something separate. But no, no, no. It has to go back to with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That include, but are not limited to, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. People love to ignore the fact that in that Bill of Rights, when it says shall not be infringed, these are not, we the government bestow upon you, our citizens, these rights. Because when the government bestows rights upon you, the government can come in and just take those away. Look at the Soviet Constitution. It was a charter of positive liberties. These are the things that we are allowing you to do. If you meet certain stipulations and criteria, then we will allow you to do them. If not, suck it, nerds. We must keep fighting. Fighting fighting on the battlefield of ideas. And, And I'm going to emphasize that. Because much like strong diplomacy to prevent a war between nations, we must keep fighting on the battlefield of ideas to prevent a civil war from breaking out in this country again. There's places where it's still, thankfully, just cold. There's places where it's getting progressively hotter and hotter and someone keeps turning up the heat on the stovetop. And as much as I look forward to a nice brouhaha, I'm really not in the mood to do it in my own damn backyard. That's going to wrap it up for me this week. Again, everyone who came to the live room, thank you so very much for listening live. Those of you who are listening on podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts, I ask you to say do these four things, the same four things I ask you to do every week. Number one, hit that subscribe button. That way it gets those numbers up. Right now I'm at rookie numbers. I push those numbers up to quote uh, Matthew McConaughey. Number two, please rate the show, preferably five stars. I'll accept four. I'll accept four. I prefer five. Five stars. Number three, write a nice review. That way, you know, when it pops up as a, oh, you might like this podcast. They go through and they read the reviews and go, oh, generally speaking, everyone seems to like this show. Except that one guy. And then, finally, share the podcast. You can share the podcast itself. Let people know it's out here. Or just share the episode. Either way, it works. Uh, If you're sharing the episode, please send it to someone who you think will enjoy this episode. Or, better yet, send it to someone who you think this episode will absolutely piss off. I would love to be a great tool for the spreading of hate and discontent. It's one of my favorite hobbies. Hate and discontent are amazing. 
Again, thank you so very much for listening. Be sure to check out RelentlessDaring.com if you would like to donate to the show. There's a Donate Now button at the top of the page. Click that, and it will allow you to set up either a one-time or a recurring donation. Either or, it works. Or you can go to the shop, and you can search. You can shop for merch there. Still working on stuff. I'm sorry. I've been very, very busy. Also, be sure to check out the other podcast, The Whiskey Pod. You can find it there at RelentlessDaring.com as well. Also, a few uh, merch items for it as well you can use to support the show. Again, everything that you donate, everything that you buy, it goes into keeping this show on the air. You know, hosting fees, website fees, new equipment, blah, 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 blah. Lots of inside baseball-y stuff. Again... Thank you so very much for listening, and as always, stay relentless. This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 